0: Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and enjoy today's message. Good morning. How y'all doing? I don't know if you know, but the sky outside is turning brown. <laughs> Just walk through there, and man, hey, we still love this place. Amen. Man, so glad you're here with us to worship this morning. If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, if you would, go ahead and turn to the book of Philippians. That's in the New Testament. If you need to, to use your uh, concordance, or, or not concordance, table of contents, to find it. there's no shame here. The book of Philippians in the New Testament. <clears throat> In April, no, I keep saying April. In June, 2016, uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to Kenya, Africa. She works for a really amazing company that um, supports Christian ministries around the globe. And once a year, they take uh, different vision, to call them vision trips, to go and to partner with those ministries that they already give to financially, but to go and serve alongside those ministries. So we got to go to Kenya and serve uh, in a couple of different orphanages and just encourage some people there. Really, really amazing opportunity. And at the end of that trip, we had about uh, two days, two and a half days to go on an African safari. Has anybody ever done that before? few hands in here. Man, a safari is an incredible, incredible experience. And so there were several families, but for each day that we went out on the safaris, it was my wife and I and um, another, one other family, and then our guide, whose name was William. And so we, the first day was just like an evening afternoon safari. And then the next day, it was an all-day safari. And the last day before we left, It was just a morning uh, outing safari. And so we had seen so many amazing animals. We had seen some lions, some giraffes, elephants, crocodiles. And it was, just going to tell you, it was way cooler than seeing them at the zoo, okay? It was like, I love Fort Worth Zoo, but this was way cooler. And so we see all these amazing things. On the last day, we told William, he said, you know, one thing we haven't seen, we haven't seen a cheetah. That would be really cool to see a cheetah. And he said, wait, I, I think... I know the spot. And so it was early that morning, the sun is just coming up. We start taking off down these trails, these kind of backwoods trails, which in Kenya, you're already in the backwoods, but um, really out in the kind of middle of nowhere. And uh, he takes us to the spot where he thinks there's going to be some cheetahs. Well, we, we searched and after about 30 or 45 minutes, we began to wonder if we should just if we should just give up because we're not finding any cheetahs. Well, he tells us, he says, hey, just uh, around the corner here, there's a spot where the borders of Kenya and Tanzania meet. And it's a really cool picture spot. And we were like, well, of course, you can't do that every day in Lubbock, right? And so we go over to this spot where Kenya and Tanzania meet. And um, we get out of the safari vehicle and we're lining up. So it's family and my wife and I, and I've got my arm around her. And I give my, my phone to William, our guy, to take the picture. So he gets ready to take the picture. And we were kind of getting centered up. He said, he is here. And I said, William, we're, we're in the middle of like nowhere. Who is here? And he said, he is here. And we turned around. And it wasn't just a he. There were two cheetahs staring at us. And mind you, we are out of the vehicle, but in a matter of about zero seconds, we were back in the vehicle, right? (laughs) My wife always reminds me, and this is the truth, I'm very ashamed of it, that I was the first one in the vehicle. (laughs) Yeah, my defense is that I was the one closest and it was not the time for pleasantries. It was the time to get in the vehicle, but uh, still. Now, what's really sad about that is we did not get any good pictures of those cheetahs. And I'm not lying, they were from here, angels back there, the soundboard, hey, angel. And those cheetahs were like from me to angel. That's how close they were. And I I ain't got nothing to show for it. (laughs) Like we were in the presence of something extraordinary and we were distracted by it. We really missed it because we were distracted by something ordinary is just taking a picture, right? That was a cool spot to take a picture, don't get me wrong, but that was kind of an ordinary thing. I wonder how many times we may come to church regularly, which is a good thing to come to church regularly, not bashing that at all. Gosh, no. <laughs> but I wonder how many times we come and do something regular, like Sunday morning church, and we think it's just an ordinary thing. We miss out that He is here. <laughs> Maybe we need somebody to stand up and say, hey, God is here. He's here with you. This is not just an ordinary event. This is an extraordinary event because God is with us amen Amen. and another way I think sometimes we miss out on extraordinary things is I think so often it be the first to admit it it's easy for me unfortunately to treat the Bible like it's just an ordinary book is this an ordinary book absolutely not this is the word of God not just ink on pages, but breath on pages, right? That when we study God's word, he speaks to us. And, and what's really cool, praise the Lord, you don't have to have a PhD in Greek and Hebrew to read this. <laughs> like the Bible speaks for itself. It turns out it's funny. God, as the ultimate master creator and engineer and designer, he's actually a pretty good communicator, <laughs> When you read the Bible, it speaks. Now, there is certainly a biblical precedent for, and and good reason to uh, read scripture and expound upon it and to give application and metaphor and illustration. My goodness, Jesus was the best Bible teacher of all time, was always using metaphors and illustrations. That's why it's so easy to remember the things that Jesus taught. So we're not against that in any shape or fashion. But because this is God's word, really do believe that it speaks for itself. I think so often I, I, when I study God's word, um, I almost belittle it by thinking, well, I need to explain this and do this, or we all kind of think that, when really, again, God's a good communicator. He speaks for himself. So in light of that, this morning, I, I want to try something a little bit different, and I hope you'll be on, on board for this. Um, I, I'm going to quote the book of Philippians with the hope that as you hear it, God's Word by itself will speak to you. Not the hope, the assurance, the confidence that God's Word will speak to you. And I'm going to do my best, I promise, to not quote it like that. That's real boring. But, but to quote it maybe as if Paul were standing here speaking to you. Now, a little bit of background before we get into it. The letter of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul to the group of Christians, the believers at City of the area of Philippi, he was writing to them to encourage them. They had been um, helping um, his missionary journeys by funding them through their finances, but also praying for him, really joining with him in his gospel effort. Now, who's the Apostle Paul? Many of you know, but the Apostle Paul originally went by the name Saul of Tarsus, and Saul of Tarsus was a very religious man. But that doesn't necessarily—it's not necessarily a good thing. Amen. (laughs) Just to be religious. He was very religious, very moral from a human perspective, but in his heart, like all of us, he was wicked and evil and sinful. But one day on the road to Damascus, God encountered him and saved him. And Paul or Saul went from being Saul to being Paul and from being just a religious person to being someone who was alive in Christ. See, again, the gospel is not just about being bad and good, it's about being dead or alive. Amen. And Paul came to know Jesus and became alive in Christ. And from that point forward, he made his life mission to go and spread the gospel in as many places as he could and to encourage Christians. The gospel, real quick, I think just a good definition that Tim Keller gives is um, the simple truth that we are far more wicked and evil than we've ever dared believe, but far more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dared hope. That's, that's good news. Gospel means the good news of Jesus. So Paul quit leaning on his own righteousness and turned and trusted in the righteousness of Jesus. And he, had, again, had all these missionary endeavors. Now, we're all called to share the gospel, amen, as Christians. But Paul made it really his life work. You, you might could say that using a term we use today, he was a missionary. So what's cool about Philippians, this is really a missionary update letter, okay? Anybody ever get those? You don't have to raise your hand, but you can think about it. Um, we have missionaries that we support here at Southcrest, and my wife loves getting, uh, I know the babies love getting missionary update letters from missionaries that are out serving in, in foreign parts of the world. Where Paul is writing to Philippi to encourage them and thank them for how they've supported his ministry, but also to let them know what's going on, uh, what God, how God is using him. So um, after I quote the book, I'm going to take about two hours just to explain everything. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, no, in all, in all seriousness, when we're done, and just so you know, to put it all on the table, it'll probably take about 15 minutes for me to, to quote the book. Um, so just so you know what's happening. And after that, I'm not going to take two hours to explain everything, I promise. But after that, I do want to take just a few moments, a few minutes, we'll have left at that point, to give you three big truths from, from the book of Philippians. And I think it's so important that, that we that we get, that we don't miss. And so you might notice in, in, your, in the bulletin, I think there's some kind of note handout there. And you know, I normally don't give you much, but I gave you a little more today than I normally give you when I get the opportunity to preach. But after, I think after the, the title, there's just some blank lines. You may say, why are there just some blank lines? Well, again, because we believe God's word speaks for itself. And I don't have to give you a point by point every time just for God to speak to you, amen? God's word will speak to you. So I've given you some blanks there that maybe as we're, as you're hearing the word of God, like God will just speak to you. I really do wholeheartedly believe that and trust that because it wasn't just written, though it was written for a specific group of people in a specific time, every word of God is also meant for us, amen? So I'll give you those three points. And here as I quote, I'm gonna pray here in a second, but as I quote, I would invite you to do maybe one of three things. Maybe uh, I'm going to be using the English Standard Version, maybe to follow along and make sure I'm not messing up too much. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'd rather you not do that. You really can. I, I, feel, I feel good about it. But you can follow along if you want. You could take some notes. Or what? Honestly, after talking to a few folks, I think what I would encourage you to do is maybe just sit back and listen to the book of Philippians as if Paul were here himself to deliver this letter to us. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to hear from the book of Philippians. God, thank you so much for your love for us and for this opportunity. And um, Lord, I pray that as we hear your word, that you would speak to us. And God, that we would not just gain intellectual knowledge, but that our hearts would be changed and our lives would be changed. We'd become more like you and more in love with you. If you would, take a moment with your head still bowed and your eyes still closed just to, to ask God to speak to you, to do whatever he needs to do in you, to do what he wants to do through you. Just ask him to speak to you today. <clears throat> and if you would, take just a, a moment to, to pray for me that God would um, speak through me and use me for, for your encouragement today. God, we love you and we trust that you will speak to us during this time. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, time out, where's Paul when he wrote this? He's in prison. Crazy. Keep that in mind as we say this. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Again, he's in prison. So it has become known throughout the whole Imperial Guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I would not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ Will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. See, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I can't tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory because of my to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and has bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your, wealth, for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. He was ill, (laughs) near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I'm the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, And save for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. That depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this (laughs) or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do I entreat you, and I entreat Seneca to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Hey, don't be anxious. Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. If y'all would pray with me. Jesus, we're so thankful for your word. Lord, teach us to slow down and savor it and to delight in it. And God, I pray that as we just take a few moments here to look at the book of Philippians and just some big truths that you would continue to speak to us and challenge us. It's your Beautiful, wonderful name, we pray. Amen. So, if you would, I'm just going to take a few minutes to talk about three big but simple truths from the book of Philippians. So, here's the first. Number one, when Jesus is my everything, I can face anything. Amen. When Jesus is my everything, I can face anything. The idea here kind of being that when Jesus is your all, it changes your perspective on all. Right? Change your perspective on everything. I love Paul's example here. So first of all, if you look at verses really uh, kind of 18 through 26, Paul's saying, hey, you know what? Whether I live or die, I'm good. He says, if I, if I stay here on earth, I get to keep seeing God move and I experience his presence and I get to share the gospel with other people. So that's awesome. And he says, if I die, I get to be, be with Jesus and see him. That sounds pretty cool, right? So he says, it's good no matter what. I rejoice whether I live or die, I rejoice. Then if you look over, I'm not going to read it again, but if you check out chapter four, these verses are very famous, though often misunderstood. Verses 10 through 13, he just says, you know what? I've learned that whether I have a little or whether I have a lot, if I've got Jesus, I've got all I need. He's the secret to contentment. It's not more stuff. It's not another person outside of Jesus. It is Jesus. (laughs) When Jesus is my everything, I can face anything. Again, Paul was in prison facing terrible odds, (laughs) terrible circumstances, yet he rejoices because he's got Jesus. You can't take Jesus away, right? (laughs) I had the opportunity this past April, uh, I I help serve with a ministry called Crosstalk Global. And uh, Crosstalk's goal is to help train and equip pastors who don't have access to what would be considered formal or traditional seminary training. And so we go and hope, our goal is to, equip them to be faithful and effective biblical communicators. I mean, it's such a neat experience. I'll get to go. I'm not going this year because apparently it's good to be around when your wife is having babies. But um, uh, hopefully i will go the next year. And so anyways, last year I got to go to India. And there was a man, uh, he wouldn't mind me telling you, there was a man we worked with there. His name was Paul Augustine. which was, That was not his Indian name, but that was the na- name he had chosen for himself once he became a follower of Christ. Paul Augustine. And Paul, just before the conference, or you could call it a conference that we were doing there in India, had just been released from prison. Why was he in prison? Paul's a pastor in a region of India known as, let's um, blank, sorry, uh, Kashmir. There we go. He's in Kashmir and he's a pastor there. There are lots of, um, there's, a, there's Hindu presence there, but there's, there's also a very heavy Muslim presence there. And the Muslims uh, are known in Kashmir to, be very hostile towards believers, towards Christians. And so some false accusations have been brought against Paul, Augustine, and uh, he was put in prison and then released. And once the charges were all finally cleared, uh, the first thing he did was come to this conference to learn how to better talk about Jesus. I think I could learn a thing from the man or two, or learn a thing or two from the man, right? (laughs) It was so amazing to, to be in class with Paul because he just had such a joy. I remember one time we were getting in, uh, we got in a van, a bunch of us to go grab some lunch or dinner. I can't remember. But we got in and uh, Paul always oh, just had this big smile on his face. And he said, Brandon, I want you to come and to visit me in Kashmir. And I said, Paul, that sounds amazing. I, if you look up Kashmir, I just Google Kashmir India. It is beautiful. I love some West Texas, but this is, this is stunning. And so, I said, man, that sounds great. And it's serious and with big, as big a smile as he could put on, he said, when you come, you will need to wear a helmet. And I said, could you clarify that? <laughs> like, are we gonna be riding motorcycles? He said, no, no, when you ride in the van, we'll have to ha- you'll have to wear a helmet. And he's just smiling, the serious thing be. And I said, well, Paul, why would I wear a helmet inside the van? He said, well, the Muslims in my region, when they see you and they know that you're a Christian, they will throw rocks at you. <laughs> and I said, Paul, I don't think I want to come to Kashmir. Right? <laughs> I said, well, what about you? And as serious as he could be, he said, oh, I've learned to dodge them. <laughs> like, what in the world? Like, he's as serious as he can be. When we would, we would start every day of uh, class, excuse me, with singing, and Paul would just literally come up out of his seat. He couldn't stand it. He was one of those people that like, I don't, man, I missed a dude already. He was a Roger Reeves, you know what I mean? Just, man, I'm going I'm to sing. I don't care if you like it or not, I'm going to sing, right? I'm mean, just all into it. And one day uh, while we were there, I said, Paul, like, t- help me out a little bit. Like, I've never seen someone with as much joy as you and vigor for Christ as you, in spite of the fact that you face real serious persecution. And he said, Jesus is everything. <laughs> it's all I need. When Jesus is my everything, I can face Anything. And that's the example Paul gives us. And if I'm honest, we as Americans, me included, absolutely, could learn a thing or two from our brothers and sisters around the world. This is not a. Um, Guilt trip to, oh, you guys better make Jesus your everything. Come on, do better. This is an invitation for us as Americans to quit looking to the lesser things of this world for satisfaction and fulfillment and to be our everything and to begin to look to Jesus as our everything. And I promise you as we do that, we'll begin to see that we can face anything. This world and especially our nation is in dire need. They're hungering to see Christians who find Jesus as their everything. Number two, God calls me to live with gospel glasses. God calls me to live with gospel glasses. Another way you could say that is that God puts on us this expectation that our priority, the purpose of our lives would be to advance the gospel to, to push it forward through talking about Jesus. Again, the good gospel means the good news of Jesus. I, I love Paul's example. I kind of stopped and pointed this out when we were quoting it, but in chapter one, verses 12, again, or 12 through I think like 18, Paul says, hey, I want you to know, like I'm in prison, but I want you to know that what has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. Let's rejoice. Again, this sounds like crazy talk, right? This is great. I'm in prison, but people are hearing about Jesus. People are becoming more bold about sharing their faith in Jesus. This is great. (laughs) Paul saw every opportunity as a chance to share the gospel, to push forward the message of Jesus, not in a um, malicious way or a like cramming the Bible down their throat way, but just to tell people about Jesus. God calls me to live with gospel glasses. I, uh, about two years ago, kind of got into the habit, uh, not habit, the hobby of um, shooting sporting clays and skeet shooting. I'm not saying I'm good at it, but I enjoy it. Anybody else in here enjoy doing that kind of stuff? A few guys and gals willing to say that. Um, man, super fun. Now, if you've been like sport shooting sporting clays or skeet, um, you, first you're supposed to wear the protective eyewear, but if you go out just with regular sunglasses or maybe even like some clear uh, glasses to protect your eyes, it's very possible that you'll get in the stand and you say pull and you hear them pull the machine, but you don't ever see the bird with a clay target, right? Anybody ever done that before? Like, you, you know, it's out there somewhere in the sky, but you cannot see it, right? Uh, so because I experienced that a couple of times, I went on old handy dandy Amazon and bought some shooting glasses Now, these glasses, I'm not going to put them on so I don't interfere with the microphone. Um, And you would think I look way too cool with them on. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, But they literally change the perspective of how I see everything. When I put these on, it changes everything. And more than that, it's really awesome as a shooter and really fun that they help me pick up the targets that are there. Like sometimes, so without these glasses, there may be targets or there are targets that sometimes I just, I just can't see them. But once I put these on, I'm like, oh, there it is. And boom, blow it up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it makes it easier to see and follow through with the target. In a similar way, God calls us to put on, though it may seem a little cheesy, gospel glasses that change our perspectives, that every situation we encounter in life, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's with our buddies, whether it's in our dorm, whether it's in our apartment, whether it's at church, whether it's at school, wherever it is that we see the opportunities around us as a chance to share the gospel, amen? And I believe that when you start off every day, and I need, I'm still working on this, but start off every day saying, God, help me to put on gospel glasses. Help me to see... The, the advance of the gospel is my primary focus. Help me to see every opportunity as a chance to share the gospel. You know what I found? When I do that, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I, there's an opportunity, right? Probably the opportunities were there all along. I'm just kind of blind to them, right? When I put on gospel glasses, man, I see those opportunities. God calls me to live with gospel glasses. Now we got one more. And this, this is what I'll close with. And I've saved this for last, Um, Because I think this is something that, that, again, if any point is for me, this point is for me as well. I think this is something here in the Bible Belt that we struggle with, and that if we are blind to this truth, I think it's really dangerous. Here's the truth from Philippians Dwelling on who I am and what I've done prevents me from delighting in who Jesus is and what he's done. Dwelling on who I am and what I've done, good or bad, prevents me from from delighting in who Jesus is and what he's done. To say it simpler, if you like shorthand like I do, if you're wowed by you, it'll be difficult to be wowed by Jesus. <laughs> if, you're, if you're obsessed with your own righteousness and like perception of, well, I'm a pretty good person, you're gonna miss out on the beauty and the wonder of Jesus. Uh, where this is coming from, really all of the book of Philippians, but particularly chapter three, <clears throat> I'm not gonna read it again, but in verses one through um, 11, Paul says, hey, if anyone ever had a right or reason to boast about their religious and moral um, capabilities and like accomplishments, he said, it was me. Like I was the top, like the elite of religious people. He says, I counted all that as rubbish so I may gain Christ and be found in him. See, pride will always keep you from experiencing the goodness of Jesus. And this, this truth is really in a saving way and in a maturing way. So in a saving way in that to come to Jesus, to become a Christian, it requires of you that you quit trusting. And this it seems so obvious, but we struggle with it so much. That we quit trusting in our own perceived Goodness and righteousness, and totally and completely throw ourselves on Jesus and trust Him for salvation. Trust that He lived the life that you and I should have lived, and that He died the death that we deserve. It requires that you completely trust on Him. Quit dwelling on yourself and delight in Jesus. But also in a maturing way in that we really see this all through the New Testament, that the way to continue to grow in your faith and to experience Jesus and to delight in Him is to every day continue focusing on Jesus. So it's not that you get saved and now it's a do-it-yourself project to be a better person. No, that you get saved and you put your focus, you set your gaze on Jesus and to delight in his finished work on the cross on your behalf. Dwelling on who I am and what I've done prevents me from delighting in who Jesus is and what he's done. Lauren and I, we love love it. This is home now, but every now and then we'll go back to... uh, to Florida, sorry, this is Texas, to Florida to see our grandparents and parents. And there's just, so we're on the Atlantic Ocean. That's where Jacksonville is. By the way, go Jax today. Woo, woo Anyways, so we're on the Atlantic Ocean and um, there's a particular beach called Atlantic Beach that it's our favorite to go to. We've gone there like as, soon as, as long as we've been dating. So a long time. Now we're married. I should make that clear. Anyways, so uh, every time we go to this beach, we we, walk, we park a car, walk through the neighborhood, and there's this kind of wooden boardwalk out to the beach. And um, about mm, 30 yards from where the sand begins, and are only probably less than 100 yards or so um, from where the, wa- the actual ocean begins, there's a, a set of condos right there, and there's a pool right there. That pool is about 20 yards long, 10 yards wide, probably six to eight feet deep. And you know what's interesting? As many times, we've been by there a lot. As many times we've been by there, I have never seen someone in that pool. Never. Why is that? Because the ocean's right there, right? How silly is it to swim in the little rinky ding pool when you could go be in the ocean, right? Like if if I did see some man standing out there by his pool and well, look at that, look at my pool, it sure is nice. I would be like, sir, it's okay, but the ocean is right there. Don't miss out on the beauty and the wonder and the majesty of the ocean because you're preoccupied with your little pool. (laughs) How many of us as believers miss out on the beauty and the wonder and the majesty and the goodness of Jesus because we're too stubborn and preoccupied with our own righteousness and goodness? Y'all, let us quit swimming in the little pool and begin to delight and enjoy Jesus and what he has done for us. I believe that when we do that, we'll begin to put on gospel glasses every day and more than that, that Jesus will be our everything. So here's how we're gonna close in response. I'm gonna ask you to, I'm really gonna, I would like to call you to action on those three truths. So if you're like me, man, I could grow in all three of those. I really could. But maybe this morning, maybe there's just, or now a little bit afternoon, maybe there's just one that God is tugging on your heart. I'm gonna ask, and I think all of us could fit in this. You don't have to, it's not like a legalistic thing, and some of you may not be capable or able, or maybe God's not leading you this way, but I'm gonna ask if you're a believer that you would consider maybe coming down front to the altar and begging and asking God to give you gospel glasses. And not just that, but to give you the ability to have a boldness to share your faith. How different might this room look if we every day wore gospel glasses like Paul did? How different would this room look if Jesus was our everything? We learn to delight in him and not dwell on ourselves. So I'm gonna pray. And then when I'm done praying, there'll be some pastors down front if you would like to talk to them about what it means to become a Christian or join the church or whatever. They'd love to talk with you. But if you're a believer, I'm gonna maybe challenge you and encourage you maybe to come down front and just ask God to give you boldness. Maybe one day, all of us will be like Paul and be able to say, for to me, to live is Christ to die is gain. Phil would pray with me. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information to make a commitment or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.